Welcome to the Beth and Kelly Show, a weekly Facebook Live conversation between Beth Fortune and Kelly Klingen. That's me. And we've made it into a podcast. Beth Fortune currently serves as Education Director at Wintergrass, the National American String Teachers Association Board, and Chair of the National Council for Orchestral Education. I currently serve as Education Director at Jazz Ed the Washington president at Jazz Education Network and Jazz Curriculum Officer for Washington Music Educators Association. We have a platform and we really want to leverage it for positive change. Please hit us up. Let's have a conversation and uh, let's move our practice as music educators forward. Mike? Sure. Um... Yeah, well, you know, I started uh, in Snoqualmie and did 13 years there, and so that was a that offers a nice contrast to where I have been for the last seven years at Camp Meridian High School, where you know it's it's the polar opposite in terms of of diversity. Um, we do both. have some listeners who don't live in the state of Washington, right? So Snoqualmie is like a mountainous town, yeah, um, with a demographic that is highly Caucasian. East Extremely. of Seattle. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. um, now Adam is stationed in Kent, which is a s- south uh, suburb of Seattle. And um, my Mexican band plays a lot of club dates in Kent. Um, yes, that's right. Yeah. That's right. As, uh, as my good friend and, and my, my junior high and uh, student teaching teacher, uh, Paul Harshman, told me, he says, uh, Kent is South King County, the funky part of King County. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, it is the funky part of King the County. The funky part of King County. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, Kent Meridian is, um, you know, it's the 11th most diverse state or uh, high school in the country. And we've got... Wow. 70 nationalities and 100 languages and uh, it's, it's not your normal diversity breakdown of 30 30 30 hispanic to black to white and um, so our our we are very unique um but it's you know i haven't i just haven't been this i haven't enjoyed my job this much over the last you know in, in my 20 years that i have this last seven and that's it's saying a lot because we were able to accomplish a lot in, in, in Snoqualmie and um, and in here there's just different challenges but um, for me you know it, it's 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 fewer students but I really kind of finished my day and I finished my year really feeling good about how I could touch each child how how I could reach them and um, sometimes if you got 150 200 it's just really tough to make that big of a difference in a child's life and change how they perceive life and the things that they hear. So um, I'm really privileged in that way. And I'm, it's extremely humbling, um, but it's been the best thing for me. So I'm, I'm still, you know, it's, we're post COVID Renaissance, you know, there's going to be some tough years here. Um, and, and certainly for us, you know, we lost 60% of our entire program over COVID. So it's uh it's an uphill battle, but you know, I dig it. I'm, I'm happy. I want to unpack some of that in a little bit. I'm going to drop it into the chat. But first, I would really like to hear what types of classes you're teaching. What does your schedule look like? Because your sixth period class, we're going to be talking quite a bit about. But I think it'd be good for context for people to know um, what the rest of your day looks like. So, yeah, my day is uh, jazz, then concert band, concert band, orchestra, orchestra, um, and then um, multicultural music, or as we as we call it, history of black music uh, during the last period. So um, we offer a comprehensive music program with choirs and orchestras and bands and and uh, jazz and uh, audio tech and piano. And so, you know, we're pretty comprehensive, but this year they've added a class now granted you know, I had to lose an orchestra in order to gain this class. You know, we lost numbers. And so they took number two away and said, you know, it's kind of ridiculous that we're in this this diverse district and this extremely diverse school. And yet we're not offering diverse coursework in music or in art. And so that's something that our fantastic, stupendous administration, um, you know, has allowed me to you know, say, hey, we're going to give you 20 hours, write this curriculum over the summer and teach the class. And I 
was just super excited. You know, these are non-musicians and these are not my kids and these are not jazz or concert or orchestra or choir players, you know? Um, and yet- So am I still... understanding, am I understanding correctly that um, basically administration said, we don't have the numbers to support this orchestra, but what we do need is an option for students who don't play an instrument but need an art credit to graduate, can you create something that isn't yeah. your standard guitar or uh, piano class? Yeah. It's something a little more academic as the solution? This, uh, this opportunity came as a pair of classes. So one okay. is being taught in the history sequence and then one is being taught fine arts. And yes, we do have, you know, the more kids we have at KM that are not involved in music, they need to go somewhere for their fine arts credit. And right now our graphic arts and ceramics and, and photography classes are full to the brim. And um, so this was a way to, and I think I have 44 in that class, which is, wow. you know, staying three feet away and in the band room is, it's adventurous, but I don't want less kids. If anything, I want more. I just, yeah. you know, I just want to reach more kids. And so I think that's the exciting part of it. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, we're seven days in. And my perspective now has changed quite a bit. So, I mean, that's also something interesting that, you know, we can quote unpack at a later yeah, time. Sure. Yeah. So um, just real quick, I'm circling back as the resident orchestra teacher here. Mm -hmm. The orchestra, you just put it all into one. And right now you're running one orchestra there. Correct. So this is, yeah, uh, an orchestra where uh, typically Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we meet together and Tuesday, Thursday, I split the older students onto the stage where they're, you know, somewhat self-directed with different literature. And that yeah. gives me a, a chance to get with the beginning players. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. We may make it work, you know, we make it work. Yeah. You're still able to differentiate. That's good. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I became a teacher to teach jazz. That was, that's just why I became a teacher. So when I moved to KM, you know, I needed to fill up some FTE and there were some orchestras and, you know, lo and behold, I'm, I have a really good time with those kids. And I never, I never thought in a million years that, you know, I would, um, I would enjoy those kids. And I say those kids because, you know, as an orchestra director, they're, they're, they're different, you know, band, choir, orchestra, they're all just different. And uh, I really dig having that, that new perspective too. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool. That want to reach more kids, I think is something that, music teachers have all been struggling with during this time because with the nine feet distance and then six feet distance it's like I'm losing kids and it's really heartbreaking because you just want yeah. more kids mm -hmm. but I think a lot of the time that feeling gets displaced and it's more like I don't want to lose this kid or I can't lose this bassoonist not and we lose track of the fact that I think really what we mean is we just don't want to lose kids. We want to have more kids. So we're right. like fearful when that happens and we're so like territorial about our product. Mm -hmm. But I think when we can come up with more ways to reach, which will help us reach more students that we're filling that feeling that we always have, but sort of shifting it from a proprietary place um, like, this is my child, they must be in this ensemble. And then when we start thinking about what that kid needs to graduate or, um, you know, to feel ready for college or whatever it is, that if we can create a more diverse set of options, we really are serving more kids, which is why we got into the biz. And like, yeah, I just want to like, say, you know, what I've been saying every time I talk to a group of orchestra teachers these days. Um, why is it that so much of the school just walks on by and does not opt into the orchestra class? Why? That's like a series of shows for unpacking, you know, yeah. but it's because offerings are not culturally re relevant to um, probably the majority of students. Um, and I'm talking about my own profession here, folks. I'm talking about my own profession. Yeah. 
So you know, that, that's resonating with me also like thinking about what Adam was saying about, which I think all music teachers feel to be true. You can sense when you're in an orchestra room, those yeah. kids are, they're just something that's a little different going on here than in a band. And, yeah. and so there are like the kids who naturally select into those groups because it's just their people. But then there are all these other kids who don't know maybe that it's their thing or- um, I don't think it's maybe, open to them. Right, they or maybe they just start thinking like, there are several types of kids that are orchestra kids, you know? And if we start expanding the music that we're playing in those ensembles, we might start reaching like a whole other type of orchestra kid that we're not accustomed to getting. I'm, I'm curious about that. I think about that a lot. I, I do too. And it's like this cool opportunity that Adam has now to develop this new curriculum. And like you were paid money to spend time on, on your um, summer to mm-hmm. write the curriculum. And let me just point out, hours mm-hmm. ain't enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You need a little more than that. Uh, <laughs> trust me, I know. And um, 20 hours ain't enough, but you are developing this curriculum and it's going to inform so much of what you do going forward with your instrumental groups. Mm. It's so cool. It's like, Mm -hmm. what can you do later? I want to hear more about the class, but I'm so excited about it. Like, what can you do later to influence the orchestra kids, the band? You know what I mean? To crossover collaboration. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, um, it, it's, as far as all the classes are concerned, the music classes right now, you know, uh, messaging is a huge problem for us. Uh, middle school messaging is try, try new things. High school messaging is you need a career pathway. And, and music classes don't fit in either one of those those things. Right. If, if you if you say that it's uh, you know career pathway oriented or try new things, that that really eliminates so many music kids. And then on the 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 the, the socioeconomic level of our kids and teaching in poverty, you know they don't have multi generational musicians in their family, so they continue that you know Grandpa Joe and then you know Mom played and then I play, and then of course you know there's there's two COVID related things and. One is COVID catch up. Uh, there are p- parents that feel like their kids are behind and uh, elective classes go by the wayside so they can get more core in. And then there's the COVID aerosol concerns that not every parent has a concern about, but enough on the band side of things to make them yeah. think twice. Right. And, and you know, you, you stack all of these things up and uh, it provides for a really uh, challenging environment. Um, but, but like you said, it's, and every teacher, I think wants that to reach the most kids as they possibly can. And what I didn't know is that reaching non-music kids would benefit me as a teacher, just as much as the music kids that I'm really trying to create musicians out of. Yes. I might be able to try to change them as musicians, but these kids, I can change their perspective on life. I can change their perspective on color. I can change their perspective on music, sound, everything they see. And that's, that it's powerful to a point that you have to check yourself and you have to still remain humble. Um, and, and, and I don't know how much of that you want to go back to before I, I mention a few other things, but this class, I have a unique perspective in that I was raised by in a biracial household. And I've, I, that's just been a part of my wheelhouse since I was a little kid. And my stepdad was a funk bass player. And I just, I just, that's that music and the jazz and the funk and the R and B and the soul and the Motown and, and all of that stuff, you know? And so I, uh, I found in those first few days, um, deflection from some of the students, you know, you could read it in their body language that, you know, this, you know, bald white guy with a mask, he's not going to teach me anything about black music that I can't find out for myself or think that I already know. Right. And I, so I'm still getting seven days later, I'm still getting some of that, but, um, um, it, I really didn't foresee that to be something that would be an issue, but you know, lo and behold, here it is. Yeah. I would have anticipated that for sure. Oh yeah, right. for sure. But mm-hmm. I also wouldn't really have had a solution. Mm-hmm. You know, some, something mm-hmm. that happened to me and Beth was there for it was my 
um, uh, basically taking over for Bob Nat when he retired. And, yeah. and for those of you who don't know who Bob Nat is, he's a beloved music educator in Seattle who was my former teacher and yeah. also a man half my stature who is black from Louisiana with yeah. an accent and like a smoker's cough. And so, I mean, I was like physically as opposite as you could be. Mm -hmm. And, and he was famous and he was beloved. It was like, oh man. And, and, you know, so I did anticipate all of those <laughs> feelings coming my way. Yeah. Really the only way around it. And I think um, women have to probably deal with this a little bit more in the music world is just like naming who you are right off the bat. You know, there's no hiding it in, in my case, <laughs> but I was just, you know, had to tell the kids, like, I love him mm -hmm. and I miss him too. He was my and, teacher too. And there is zero way that I can replace him, but I am the person who's here and let's just like try and honor his legacy together you know, and I think it's probably a similar situation for those kids you're getting pushback from, which is just like, I know I'm a white guy teaching this class, mm -hmm. but I do have some things to teach you. And, and you actually, you know what I mean? Has that sure. worked at all? You, you know, uh, and, and people that know me, I, there, you know, I don't lack, um, I don't lack confidence when I'm in front of people. And sometimes <laughs> that it comes off Jennifer. arrogant, <laughs> right? Right. It has a way to come off arrogant at times, and I understand that. And and you know, with non-music kids coming to my classroom, they have no idea who I am. Whereas other kids, if they right. you know, they, they might have seen me in middle school or whatever, but these yes. kids don't know, and they they're really kind of shocked. They're kind of put off, you know, the, the first few days. And you know, this pushback was really only first couple of days because I've I've won them over since then. Um, now in in day seven, but. Um, you know, in the first couple of days is I gave him my story. You know, I started from the beginning. I'm like, like, look, I was a divorced kid. I was under two years old and we moved from Philadelphia to Seattle. I mean, I started from the beginning. Yeah. And, and I think that went a lot away with a lot of the kids, you yeah. know, the, the pushback from the three or four. Yeah, that was, I didn't think about it in advance, but when it happened, I was certainly not, not really shocked yeah. about it, but it didn't make me feel like I've got more work to do. Like I've got to come at it from other angles. I've got to add to what I know, I've got to deliver it in a different way. And it just, it gets the wheels turning. Now it gets the wheels turning so much that, I mean, I find myself not thinking as hard about my music classes because that comes natural, but yet they still deserve for me to think about new and original things because we're lower numbers, we got to build, they're all low skill, you know? So this, this I find myself being completely absorbed by this class and, and emotionally too, because I'm, it's, it's, there's so much about what I'm teaching that I love in that class that right. I get overly emotionally involved in it and, and I start to lose myself, my focus, you know, and what am I really trying to get done here? And, yeah. um, and am I getting emotionally and too emotionally involved just because it's a part of my family's history and a part of, what I've always researched just because I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Now I have this opportunity and I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling daily, like I'm feeling different. Every day kind of feels different. And, uh, you know, we're, we're learning as we go. And like, and like you said, 20 hours is not enough, but I'll be writing this the whole year or the whole oh, yeah. semester as we edit and, and reformat and change. And, you know, so I also like that. It's not going to be this static curriculum that's got, you know, worksheets, quizzes, tests, worksheets, quizzes, tests. It's, it's, it's very fluid and, and malleable, you know? Adam, as you're talking, I'm like trying not to giggle because if I removed that we were talking about this new class that you've developed, mm -hmm. it sounded mm -hmm. like the beginning of like a really awesome, intimate relationship. Like you just <laughs> like you so much, you, you're going out on a date every day. It's all you think about. It's like, mm -hmm. you're sort of infatuated <laughs> with this class. It's like really, I totally mm -hmm. get it though. We become yeah. like emotionally involved with our music content. Music teacher thing. That's yeah, a music teacher the music thing, teacher thing mm -hmm. for sure. Oh, Especially man. with things that are near and dear, right? Like mm -hmm. for me, when I started sharing, teaching the orchestra kids at Washington Middle School, 
about other music than classical. Um, that was like a big, huge thing for me. And I was sharing music of me with them. And I was so emotionally involved, involved in that. It was identity, you know? Which makes it so much more fun. And oh, yeah. it's awesome. Even though they're getting more of your heart right now, it's like, everyone's fine. No one's well, getting hurt here. Luckily, this class is last period, too. So uh, if it was any other time of the day, I know that would affect my other classes. But, you know, it's I'm done at uh, 115 every day. I'm done teaching. And so this is just a great way to finish that day and end up with plenty of time to, you know, work on the next day's activities or, you know, do whatever I have to do, like something like this and the football game tonight, you know, which we got to get ready for. So, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, this, uh, this, this class is, uh, yeah, I haven't learned to balance the emotional aspect of it yet. You know, I'm still, you know, and I find myself, I, you know, I look at um, for the last, like during COVID, I've, I've spent a lot more time on eBay looking for albums and, and looking for vinyl and it's trying to collect and real specific things. And even for this class, I just got an, I'm a, I have hair standing on end just thinking about it. So I, I got an album that is the, it's it's the birthplace of hip hop. I mean, this 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 drum break in this track on this album is the birthplace. It's like hmm. it's it's holding the holy grail. And I was able to find it, and I was able to invest in it and get it. And it's going to be here in a couple of days. And I even told the class. I said, I don't know how I'm going to tell you the importance of this thing without sobbing or without without having my eyes water and or you something. You know, there's no way they're going to think it's as awesome as you do. Like I don't, be heartbroken. You know, there's a chance, you know, if you're a really good storyteller, you can get any kid to to buy into something sure. being cool, you know. So, yeah. so you know, I'll try to deliver the package, you know, as as um, you know, with as much charisma as I can to see if they actually get it. But you know, when they when we get to studying hip hop in 1971, when we get to that part in the timeline, it's there's no way you can pass by that without discussing this thing. And, you know, there's there's videos and documentaries on this thing. It doesn't need to be me that gets them pumped up. Right, Look, right. It's it all the social media telling you that yeah. this is the beginning. This is the pearl, you know. So um, I'm, I'm just really stoked about that. And again, so, it's my other classes that that aren't getting equal, uh, you know, emotional investment. Unless you just write out some sheet music, lead sheets for these songs and they learn them that way. And yeah. I was just going to say, great it idea. Needs to bleed over. I, I think it needs to bleed over. I mean, like, that's what we would have done, right, Kelly? Like, it would have, yes. like, been a whole department thing. Like, like, the whole department today is learning yeah. this song. Mm-hmm. I mean, wouldn't I think the, the band and orchestra kids would benefit from this greatly. Like, mm-hmm little bit here and there or like pre- Full on. prepare mm-hmm. a piece for the, the, the end of the year or the end of the semester mm-hmm. as a culminating thing. Um, it'd be really Pink neat. band repertoire. Yeah. And who knows, Adam, you might be sourcing musicians through this class. Like we got kids who play guitars we got kids who play drums we got kids who do dj stuff we got kids who rap we got kids who do all kinds of music stuff in our high schools but they don't darken the door of the music program because Mm -hmm. we are culturally relevant programming for them so it could be that you're going to be unearthing a ton of new people from your school that have been existing all this time and they're awesome composers, they're awesome creators, mm-hmm. they're creatives, and um, these people, you're going to unearth them. I'm just telling you what you're going to do. Now the hairs are standing yeah. up on my arm. You're yeah, gonna- tell me. <laughs> you're going to say to this DJ kid, look, I need you to create some beats, and we're going um, to put you with the orchestra at their concert. Mm-hmm. so you must have been reading my mind or already 
are aware of things that we are working on. But but you know, and 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 Kelly, you mentioned the pet band stuff. You know, I just yeah. I've been writing stuff for the pet band. We, we really don't play anything that's published. It's it's all stuff that I've written out. And our our playlist is all soul music. It's all funk, hip hop, soul, and sure, and and you know, <laughs> you know, we're playing towards our our parents. You know, sure. I, we're not playing necessarily towards our student body because they're not always at the football and basketball games, but the parents are, and so I'm always paying attention to kind of what they're digging at those events, and so we provide them entertain entertainment during that uh, during those times. But then we had the idea. This is a couple of weeks ago that you know you mentioned having a dj or a rapper like you know we we already have three rap tunes we've got a slim shady tune we've got um uh i wish from skilo and we've got uh, a couple of others and you know we're gonna bring down you know we got amplifier and everything onto the track and and actually have a pet band rapper and this is I something i haven't i haven't cool. seen before i haven't seen it before and uh, but it, but it definitely would eventually you know, maybe bring in more student body or more people, you know, to the games and that would make it, you know, just a little better if there was more people there. But yeah, crossing over is definitely, it's something that I've always done. And I've always tried to teach those things in any ensemble in, in one way to break up the monotony of a rehearsal or a band rehearsal over the course of several weeks. And another way to, you know, not change the perspective, but, you know, alter the perspective. We'll widen it out just a little bit because, um, you know, yeah, orchestra, as you know, it's, it's not all Bach, Brahms, Beethoven, you know, there's a lot of other stuff to do. So, um, yeah, you know, the idea of getting out of where we're comfortable and getting out of this rut of this Eurocentric music deal is um, it's imperative. Um, and, and we get the freedom to do it however we like, really. Imperative. <laughs> it's like we need to move. I mean, we got to do it. We got to do like. We need it. And like. There's not enough material right now that's accessible to us. So we're going to have to be creating on our feet. Well, Adam, you're going to have to publish this curriculum is what's going to need to happen. Yeah, <laughs> sure. don't you think? Um, not as it lies right now, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, the, we had an important conversation yesterday because one of our students' um, mothers, we didn't discuss this in class, but one of the students' mothers had, had emailed and says, you know, my, only, my daughter's only allowed to listen to Christian music, and so she's going to need to drop your class. And I'm like, you know, I completely understand. We're sorry to lose her, you know, signed off, and that was fine. And the next day, she was gone. But it did get me thinking. And because the discussion we had in class that day was that when we have difficult content to discuss, whether it be the words, the content, the n-word anything like that i said i will not be the one in front of you talking about it i said i will bring in mr simmons and mr allen and mr johnson and mr mr jackson i'm going to bring in our african-american staff they're going to talk to you you know and when mr simmons the security guy comes and tells you what he thinks about the n-word you're probably going to freaking listen you know so there's this there's there's these moments you know and that i can't i can't speak to you know um right. but it's heavy it's, it's going to be heavy at times and, yeah. and we do list, we do listening on Wednesdays because we have short periods on Wednesdays. And so, you know, they send me links and they got to follow school rules and all that. And, and we listen to them um, and they don't have any language. Sometimes there's content and sometimes there's innuendo and, you know, how pop music can be. So, you know, we deal with that. And, and I'm surprised it's only one kid so far. But, um, you know, the, the pushback, the bounce back from students and parents, we haven't we haven't really seen so far. I, fingers crossed. Yeah. so but in terms of curriculum yeah it's 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 ever evolving ever breathing and and the content you know on uh, for audio and, and video stuff that's going to morph almost weekly you know yeah and you all need to keep really good notes. <laughs> right i'll have to keep making notes yeah yeah those tough topics are things that you're not going to be be able to avoid in that curriculum and mm -hmm. you're going to have to teach them you're going to have to teach them. Mm -hmm. And I love how you are making use of the community around you, like the community. We, mm -hmm. You've got your security dude. Mm -hmm. You've got other members of the um, faculty. Football and, coach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And these yeah. people are part of the community. Mm -hmm. And you did see these folks around and like pulling that part of your community in and having them speak their truth mm -hmm. really important for for students to hear 
these authentic narratives. And it's one of the hallmarks of culturally responsive teaching. Absolutely. You know, I'm, and, you know, going beyond, definitely pull from your building. Yes. Other teachers depend on your colleagues to help you get through in mm-hmm. conversations, which mm-hmm. I think a lot of times teachers avoid teaching things because they don't want to have the inevitable tough conversations. I know I have skipped teaching things to avoid mm-hmm. the conversations. Mm-hmm. Usually it wasn't tough conversations. It was just like, I, I felt like I didn't have the time to deal with it. Sometimes also, Kelly, maybe you and I felt like, you know, we're two crazy white ladies that are teaching you. We aren't in a position to speak. Equipped mm-hmm. with the yeah. experience. We don't know what we're talking about. And so we shy away. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, we get better and better at it the more we practice. Mm-hmm. Um, get help from others mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. well I mean I think a huge part of that is downshifting <laughs> from this idea that we have to be a perfect product as teachers right, right? I mean you can't shifting away from perfectionism which is a yeah. hallmark of white supremacy Yes, it is. And also a very unhealthy way to live, especially as Adam knows when you're piloting a new program, right? I mean, like you can lesson plan and prepare for what you think will happen using your human and teacher knowledge, Mm -hmm. but there will always be something that you were not, not able to plan for, which is why we just have to accept that we aren't gonna have it perfect. And we're just going to have to improvise our way through that situation. You got to walk into it and you're going to step in it sometimes. <laughs> you're going to step in the duke for sure. Uh, today was an interesting experience. We did a, name that, uh, a name that tune uh, game where the class was split in half. I had prepared 50 audio clips of, you know, movie themes, some movie quotes, uh, audio themes uh, from Disney, just all kinds of crazy stuff. And uh, you know, the, 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 the idea for each person with the different size cowbell was that, you know, one person from a team would come up and they'd ding once they understood it and thought they knew what it was and give the answer. Boom. Team gets the point. Boom. Win a thousand monopoly, the money dollars, whatever. Everybody has fun. Oh my but, God. You know, I this, want to play right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these were non-music kids. They've had me for six days up until today. Um, I had done as much as I thought I I could by that time to learn who they were and how they were going to react to things. And as soon as it became competitive and I started to change the rules a little bit, because, you know, I'm the, I'm the game, I'm the key maker. I'm the, I'm the concert master. I get to change the game as I want to. (laughs) And uh, there were some kids that really fought that and they become loud. They became boisterous. They started yelling and I started to take, you know, uh, uh, sportsmanship points away, which made them get a little bit more feisty. And then we talked about what they were actually doing, you know, them getting feisty and what it meant. And I'm like, you know what? I made the game. I don't have to make the game. I don't have to give you the game. We don't have to play a game. I can make this not into a game and you could just sit there for 50 minutes and we not do the game. But if we're, I'm giving you the game and I'm presenting it in a fun way, then don't bark back at me that you don't like the rules of the game. I don't have to give it to you right? Don't bark at me that you don't like the rules when you've been having a blast for 35 minutes and all of a sudden you're down in points and now you're going to be on my, I said, that's not appropriate. Do you think that's appropriate? You know, so we have the conversation, they understand, it kind of quells the thing a little bit. We speak very honestly with the kids because that's how the world speaks to them. You know, it doesn't BS, doesn't beat around the bush. The world just comes and says, this is what we think of you, deal with it. Either you have the skills to deal with it or it's going to run you over, you know? So, so again, I, even at this moment, I am emotionally involved in what I'm saying, you know, like you want to reach the kids to better their lives because you know, when they walk off the KM campus, they've got no parents, they've got no support. They got no pat on the back. They got no, I love you. They got no, I'm proud of you. They got no job. You know, these kids really live in a a, a tough life and they're doing a freaking great job at it and they don't even know it like they're doing this fantastic job surviving in this world and yet they don't know it so as a music teacher I've always felt like I need to teach more like Mm -hmm. let me prepare you better for the world than I was and then I kind of thought I prepared myself because I knew everything 
you know so you, you really try to reach these kids and these are non-music kids i'll never see these kids after 90 days most likely you know so so i, I just feel compelled to impart as much assistance as i can to make their life better we do it through music but i still feel like that's one of the large things that's pulling me in that class it's like man yeah. it, it's freaking rough out there you know and and people are going to tell you that they don't care but it's just it's not that way so you, you want to develop them as people just as much as you want to change the perspective on how they hear music and and why hip-hop is the way it is you know and i, I can't separate i can't separate those things and and you know yeah. there's no I, way I, to I, separate a way of living that sounds like it resonates with a large group of your students from the music that was created. But isn't that why music is one of the great subjects to also teach life skills? Because it is the coping mechanism of many, many cultures. Mm -hmm. and, and it is the, mm -hmm. the um, especially with black music, uh, it, it is involved in the social movements. Mm -hmm. responding to and and pulling ahead social movements sometimes and and we can't talk about we can't talk about music without talking about the time in which it mm -hmm. was created so we have to be able to have these real conversations which are extra maybe well, and, and how many years did i or we all teach jazz band but you know, yes, occasionally you teach history, the people that are involved, how certain music and jazz works. But are you, are you teaching the how it came about? Are you teaching the Storyville? Are you teaching the Congo Square? Are you teaching why it moved from big band to combo? Are you, are you teaching all of that stuff? Because for so many years, I wasn't doing it enough. It was rehearsal, 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 rehearsal. Why? Because it was festival, 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 festival. And I could give a rat's ass about festivals well, at this I'm point in my career. I want to just go ahead and link some more characteristics of white supremacy. So another characteristic of white supremacy is urgency. So we as music educators, we teach to the test when we've got a festival coming up, everything's off the table. I don't care. We don't have time to talk about the history. I got to get these kids playing this tune because we have a festival coming up. And I know we all talk so much mess about other subjects teaching to the test. And that is exactly what we do when we teach to a festival performance. And that yeah. is a hallmark of white supremacy. Mm. And it also ties back to perfectionism. We as teachers feel that in order to trot our kids out on stage in front of other educators, we are going to do anything to not look like a fool. And um, our kids need to sound perfect because we think of ourselves as perfect musicians or something. I know I'm definitely not, but I get <laughs> by working that people won't think I am, you know? And it's like perfectionism. That is a hallmark of white supremacy. And uh, loops me hardcore right back to wanting to unpack a little bit with Adam about going from one school in Snoqualmie, which was very oh. festival driven, which you just mentioned, yes. uh, to now a situation where I heard you say you have never been so happy, which is not product driven, but sounds to me to be process driven. Mm -hmm. And I, I, Beth and I talk about this like way too much. Uh -huh. <laughs> but I would love your perspective on, on what's different and maybe like what's valuable you know you, you know it's really it's really complicated um my daughters go to tahoma which is in maple valley which is also almost all caucasian okay. um of late there are more um indian and asian uh families moving in but it's very caucasian it just seems like that snoqualmie maple valley you know highway 18 tiger summit corridor it just seems very anglo um <laughs> so <laughs> yeah right and you know the impetus for me to, to to move from one district to another was administration driven it wasn't about the kids or the the school or the teachers or the parents it was it was the the, the administration had just it made it awful for me I for two years I hated school and I that the kids didn't deserve that and, and so you were pretty happy 
when you were there, you were happy. You believed yeah, yeah. you were enjoying it. Okay. For about for about ten years, I was I was really happy, and and things were really starting to kick off. Well, you know, Boxies had moved into the district, and you know, we, it was just going really well. But you know, I wasn't. I just wasn't happy, and um, you know, life happens, and so you know, I move into this district, and and uh, there, you know, there's always this uh, process of finding yourself when you switch gigs, and and it took me a couple of years, but I found it again. You know, it was. 2016 2017 I'm like yes teaching is fun again and 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 so so when I see my daughters at Tahoma and I see them in the choir I see a sea of white kids and that's what I see I don't see choir kids I don't see my daughter and her friends I don't see Ken Riggs I see a sea of white kids and then the first thing I think and it's not good but the first thing I think is privilege those mother freaking privileged kids don't know how good they have it yeah. and I don't think that's a uh, 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 I don't think it's a real good thing for me. Um, good is not a great descriptive word. But it, <laughs> I don't think it's the most beneficial attitude for me to have. I should I should be there for my girls and the music and just respect what's going on. But that's not how I see it. And I didn't see it that way before when I was in Snoqualmie. I never I never looked at it that way. But now I see it, and I see my kids at festivals among the other kids, and I'm like they're seeing that everybody around them is not like them, but the other kids are not seeing that they are different and any better. Right. They just, they're, 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 they don't see them at all. You know, it's like, they're not even there. And it's, it, once again, I don't think it's healthy. I think that's the word I was looking for to always see white and see privilege. Cause you know, there's non-privileged good <laughs> Anglo people, you know, sure. uh, so it, it's very strange. And then when I get to my school, it's a sea of POC. I mean, everybody's a person of color. And if you're white, like I said, you're you're Ukrainian, or you are. Our, our school is the biggest uh, special ed, special needs uh, program in the district. We house all the special need. Most of the LGBTQ uh, questioning students all come to Camp Meridian because we are a place for everyone. Um, and, and other students who don't feel like they belong at the other schools, they come to Camp Meridian. And so that's what we see every day. And I have this need to let privileged white people know, like there these are, other are ways freaking, of operating. Oh, oh man, you know, please be humble. Please realize that this world was made for white men. Just please realize that you need to stop freaking complaining because you know, Susie Alvarez over here is working her tail off for seven years trying to get good grades to be the first one in her family to go to college. I mean, she has to work 10 times harder than Andy Anderson over here, who's got a 3.8 and is going to go to anywhere he wants, you know? And so when I talk about getting emotionally wrapped up in this class and in this topic, I, I find that's my weakness. Not, not a, It's a strength maybe, but I find it's a weakness because it makes me so angry. Yeah, it makes me so sad, you know, and then it takes a while to get over that and not be angry. And then I'm like, who the frick am I angry at? I didn't do it. I didn't do it 400 years ago. I didn't do it 300 years ago. I didn't do it in 1963. It wasn't me, mm -hmm. but it was it was us. It's just you know? like being angry at music ed, man. It's like, why haven't we evolved? Yeah. Can we please work on this? Like the mm -hmm at these white schools, my own included, they also deserve the opportunity to start learning and experiencing and understanding. And mm -hmm. they need the same types of curriculum offerings. They, yeah. need, um, they need to have the same understanding um, and they, they need a lot of it. They need a lot of TLC. We, we need to provide that to shift what's going on. And um, mm -hmm. like, like after COVID, I just don't understand how anyone can status quo it anymore. Like, how are we not all making a big ass change right now? Well, I am with that. And Adam, I walk around pissed off all, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but that is not yeah. new that is as long as i've been in this line of work i have been pissed off because it is not built for me to be a music teacher especially not a secondary band teacher mm -hmm. i'm a problem mm -hmm. that folks don't want to deal with so yeah. 
I've mm-hmm. always felt that. So, mm-hmm. um, always feeling like you're gonna get in trouble. Yeah, all the time. And, and see, that's important. You mentioned. I, I I push the boundaries every every freaking day. I push the limit. I, I ran over people. Not that that was a great thing. Um, I went around people. I, I made people angry. They were in high power positions because I wanted what I wanted. And I thought that what I wanted was right. And it, it wasn't the right way to go about it. I might have had the right idea, but it not, may not have been the right way to go about it. And then, then you know, the two years of, of administration, not really trusting that you're going to be the guy to say yes all the time. And then, you know, things happen. So the, the difference in administration, it, you know, you guys, it, it makes all the difference in the world. I mean, my, my administration is so seven years of just the most supremely raucous, righteous administration. I mean, I don't know how they do it, but they're always good. They're always they, doing things right. They even gave you 20 hours paid to right? get a start on writing a couple lessons. I mean... Yeah. It's a real nice gesture for sure. It's like what I appreciate, Adam, is that you are doing the work that Mm -hmm. white men need to be doing in this time, which is realizing that like, even though we didn't do it ourselves, we're living in this system now that benefits some people and doesn't others. Mm-hmm. And like going through that, the sort of pissed offness of that mm-hmm. is what it often feels like to be a woman or POC in the world. Mm-hmm. And then trying to channel that piss offness into like a positive solution. And I think mm-hmm. that this class you've developed is a really fine example of that. And I would love to see it go farther mm-hmm. and to become, um, some lessons that maybe like uh, rural schools that don't have a music teacher that they could do in history class mm-hmm. or, you know, that has like lead sheets attached. So orchestras and bands could learn them mm-hmm. or, you know, stuff like that, I think would be a rad next step after a couple of years of piloting. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And you know, as you said, you know, having a published curriculum is one thing, but you know, you can't give a published curriculum to 10 different teachers and have it taught the same way for all 10. Right. It's just right. going to be so vastly different. So. It shouldn't be. I don't think it should be, sure. right? I mean, sure, yeah, yeah. sure. But not every teacher has the ability to hold difficult decisions with their class. And not, right. they don't all have trust and, and they're right. humble and they open themselves up in front of their class. They, not every teacher has that no matter what your curriculum is and they can get themselves in a huge amount of trouble but you know like well, you said, maybe we offer professional development to teach right. music teachers how to have tough conversations about content or something wouldn't that yeah. be cool absolutely yeah absolutely and one of the things i had written down that i didn't know if we would cover but i wanted to get in was Let's do it. you know there's, there's certain teachers you know when they look to being more um uh, responsive to cultural things that we're trying to get better at. Sometimes they go title searching, you know, they go through J.W. Pepper and they look for the word African or they look oh, for the word this Indian. Is the worst thing you could do. This <laughs> you is know? absolutely the yeah. worst thing you could do. People. Right. Title the worst thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so not only are they title searchers, but then when there are called for indigenous instruments, they don't use them. And then when they do use the instruments, their technique is so not correct. It's so far gone from what it should be that they're really doing a disservice to the entire form of music they're trying to play. You know? right. And we see, we see it all the time. It's, yeah. it's the go-to. It's the go-to. And mm-hmm. We need help coming out of that. We need help. And I just love, um, Adam, that you are willing to come to that class every day, but also on this show and talk with us today and reveal that you are actually feeling vulnerable. That's, sure. that's like the first step, right? Um, mm-hmm. When kids can see authenticity in us, Mm -hmm. that carries us so so far and yeah you're having some ups and downs with this and you are almost unhealthily emotionally involved in 
what's going on with this thing. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, just admitting that to us here now, to teachers, um, I hope that inspires other folks who have been feeling guarded or have been feeling like, I just don't think I could like open up this Pandora's box. Mm-hmm. Could you open it up and you're doing it and you're well equipped. You're a great experienced music teacher. Um, but there's a lot of other super experienced music teachers out there mm-hmm. that haven't yet decided to open up the box. And I'm just hopeful that if they see you doing it, they see that you're doing it, maybe they'll be inspired to give it a shot. Because I know I'm, I'm inspired by that. Well, what I what I hope to avoid is that teachers, uh, like you said, they have a difficult time um, pushing the limits of the environment that they're in is, is going to question everything that you do. So if you go to a um, you know, a, a district in Okanagan, you're probably, you might not find administration that's going to be willing to even start a class like that because you might not have right. students to take it and maybe the parents are going to complain about it. So right. I don't, I don't want parents or to other teachers to think, well, yeah, but he's in a diverse environment. So teaching a diverse class, is not a freaking big deal. He's not going to, you know, a lot of the kids in our socioeconomic environment don't have parents that advocate for them. They don't have parents that are involved or have email or know how to use a phone or all that kind of stuff. So the, the kids are really kind of on their own and we're not going to get a lot of kickback from parents. But I, I'd hate for teachers to say, you know what, whoa, you know, we're 92% Caucasian in Suquamish. This is not going to fly very well, you know, and then it never gets off the ground because of fear and of a few loud parents that, you know, don't want critical race theory taught in the music ed class, you know. Right. God. So, yeah. Getting over the fear is, is a big thing. And I know that I'm in an environment where there's not a lot of that fear because it's, it's, it's diverse already, you know. But um, yeah, I, like you said, I would love for this to go farther and, and uh, for it to get a little deeper and, and for more teachers to have it as a, as a way to maybe gain an FTE. Maybe they're traveling to schools. Maybe they need a point eight. you know. There's a way to, to, to reach into the diversity um, toy box and pull out something that's going to work for you, you know? Yeah. Super killer. Yeah. I, um, this isn't a very elegant segue, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I have been thinking about what Adam said at the beginning that our messaging is off mm. and like the high school message that yes. we're getting ready for a career it's like career and college readiness. High stakes. Yeah. And like, and where does music fit into that? Right. And I, uh, I have literally never thought about that before. And I wonder what are like, what are some important ways that we can work on that? Is the answer changing how we talk about our classes? Mm. Is it providing um, <laughs> different classes? And it's so, it's such a mess. You know, it's something about the, the turnover in junior high and the high school counseling offices, one. Two, the technology always changing how they register. Three, registration always comes earlier in the year. It's March, then it's February, now it's January. They're having to make these predictions. And then you have, you have to reach down to the counselors without aggravating them because they're, they're, they're tapped out already. They got... 600 kids per counselor. That's not really even their job. They're not really even trained Uh, to do that. They don't don't need me hounding them to try to get them into classes and change. Now, changing messaging is a little different. But if you're already on their bad side, it doesn't matter what you ask them to do. So we have four high school counselors. One of them's brand new. And the other two could do without me. But I could do without them. I mean, it's it's, I know that their messaging is 100% career. Mm-hmm. The, the kids that come through their section of the alphabet, I hear what they say. And it's pushing career. Now, Kent, because we're in the freaking dark ages, we have a six period day. That's all, that's all we've it. got. We don't have seven. We don't have eight. Our kids hardly have any electives. And every music kid quits their junior year because there's no more spot available. So our program is basically ninth and 10th grade only. So that creates a completely different environment and even topics for more shows. But um, <laughs> You know, it's it's the, the messaging in the middle schools is really tough because they've got 10 electives. 
they got cooking, they got game programming, they got leadership, they've got uh, a computer essentials, they've got, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of them. And, and yes, there might be band, orchestra, choir, but now if there's 10 other things and they're told, they're told in sixth grade, you got to try new things, kid. You got to try new things, kid. Okay, you just lost all my music, kids, you know. But then, but then we get to like high school and the kids who are in music, who stay in music, get into this career mindset. And we got kids that are like, and, and this is so orchestra, man. It's just like, oh my God. Kids are like, um, I need to do a concerto. <laughs> and it's like, in order to get into college, they need to do a concerto. And I have to adhere to all of these needs of these colleges that require all of these gatekeeping techniques. Like they have all these gatekeeping techniques that keep kids out. So mm-hmm. you aren't a total expert in Western art music, you ain't getting in. And that's the norm. That's what happens. That's what happens with the career mindedness in high school and in the music department. Uh, I say and off to all of that. Let's get ourselves a counselor on one of these shows pretty soon. Absolutely. Let's talk some solutions. How do we dismantle that? How do we dismantle the gatekeeping at the how do we do it? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and so the, the I don't even know if that's a rhetorical question or one for me. But since they have a yeah, little either. time, I'll just try. I'll just take a stab at it, really. Yeah. So our curriculum, I've said this for a couple of years now, the way we teach has to be better than a video game. It has to be more interesting. It has to be more shiny. It has to be more, you know, it has more value. It has to have a better kick at the end. It has to have a better, you know, a vibe at the beginning when you get into it. I mean, the video game, that's what we're up against. We're up against apathy in video games. If we are not more exciting than a video game, they're going to take cooking in junior high. They're going to take ceramics. They're going to take, no, granted, there's great ceramics teachers. But I mean, they're going to take those other classes. So we, not that it's fair to us, but we have to be Superman, Superwoman. We have to be super people. We have to make them more bright and more shiny than anything else they have a choice to gain, you know? And, and sometimes, you know, we have to make it, bigger than what it really is you know mm-hmm. hey join this masterful thing we have here at the high school it's amazing you know but it's only amazing if we get them and all their friends to sign up and and not not take six ap classes right um, oh kelly and i like crafted that scene they, oh man like, the whole neighborhood was purple and carrying a damn instrument case seriously mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was, and it better be pretty epic when they get there. Otherwise, <laughs> you, got, you got mutiny on your hands. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, well, on that note, picturing a bunch of like little purple people rising up with their bows, <laughs> walking up to the coffee shop on the corner and like undoing their violin case. <laughs> bow exercises busking the open string cycle anybody have a hair tie no wait i have some horse hair hold on a second hold Let me on, get this. Hang on. <laughs> right okay, here i'm dying you guys yeah. uh it sounds like adam has a football game to get to we have some football tonight that's right friday nice. night lights go all right Go Ballard. (laughs) I am rooting for no football team tonight, but I will go ahead and have another iced coffee because this one is all gone. Okay. Well, I am going to remind you, Kelly, that you are now a bulldog mom. I know. Wow. I know. No, my my going to the rival school. What? (laughs) My dad, my stepdad graduated from Garfield in 1968. And he was the football captain he was Mr. Bulldog and on the front page right when you open the yearbook it's him and the ASB uh, president who was white and they were in the hallway shaking hands that was the cover of uh, 1968 I like that that's so nice we'll go Bulldogs then I don't think I have a 
A million thanks to our listeners, followers, and subscribers. The support we receive monetarily and otherwise helps us to be able to spend time creating a quality product, and it allows us to tap into partnerships and resources to which we wouldn't normally have access. We are stoked about the journey of learning we have ahead of us, and we are delighted you've decided to join.